Amen. Praise the Lord. Stay standing for the reading of God's Word. This is Acts chapter 4. We'll be reading verses 23 through 31 this morning together. Starting in verse 23, this is the Word of God. And when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak the word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Praise God for the reading and the hearing of his word. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good to give us your word, so powerful. Lord, as we read it and hear it, it's just supernatural in its effect on our lives. And we are so thankful to be underneath the word of God. And Lord, we don't know what you're doing, but we know what you've done. And Lord, we are fighting a battle truly that you, Jesus Christ, have already won. So Lord, I pray for those battling addiction right now. I pray for those battling sin that is besetting them and it is discouraging them. Lord, in this present day, there's manna for today. You will provide our needs for today. And oh God, the victory is already won through Jesus Christ. And I pray that you would encourage those who are struggling against sin. And God, I think of that very last phrase of the song, Lord, we know how the story ends. We will be with you again. And Lord, you've already won the greatest battle of all. You died on the cross, Jesus. You rose again from the dead. Your victory is sure. So God, we are now in a moment where your church must be bold for the truth of what your word says. And God, we ask that you would revive our land, that you would revive our hearts, our neighborhoods. You're doing something, God. You are stirring and we see it, and we recognize it. And Jesus, if you're not going to return, we ask that you would. 
But if you're not, Lord, we know that revival is on the horizon. So God, we ask and we beg for you to move by faith through the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to church. It's Communion Sunday, so this is exciting. Always love Communion Sundays. And our sermon series in Acts chapter 4 this morning is the thriving church. What is a thriving church? A thriving church is a church that looks like the book of Acts. Can I get a witness? You want to know what a thriving church looks like? Look at the book of Acts and that will tell you all you need to know. The book of Acts is a record of the early church, how it was born, how it grew after Jesus ascended into heaven, and ultimately how it thrived in a hostile and godless culture. And so the book of Acts is encouraging if you are living in a anybody who's living in a godless culture. But if you're looking at how in the world did this thing happen in the midst of pagan Rome and this culture that a myriad of false gods, read the book of Acts. And not only will you see a church, you will see a thriving church. And may God give us the grace to that he would make us like that, that we would be a thriving church. So my sermon title this morning is Thriving in Prayer. Thriving in Prayer. So my question for you this morning is, where do you go when the heat is being turned up in your life? You know, when God brings the heat and you are feeling the pain of persecution, when your mouth maybe gets you in trouble, if you witness to somebody and it doesn't go very well, where do you go when you're being targeted by someone, by a group of someones? Where do you go? What do you do when momentum is moving so fast that life is going like this and you're trying to catch up? Where do you go? I feel like all of us have those questions daily in our minds and in our hearts. Where am I supposed to go? This is all going faster than I thought it would. And I'm not finding Christianity to be as easy as I would want it to be. Well, the early church instruct us here in this passage this morning because the, it's getting the heat turned up on it. The testimony of Jesus was getting them in trouble. They were seeing lots of things happen and they were also in some trouble as a result of their testimony for Christ. They were being targeted by the chief priests and the elders and the momentum of everything was moving at a breakneck speed so let's set the scene just a little bit. I want you to fall in love with this passage. It's so good. The chief priests and elders of Israel threatened apostles, telling them that they were no longer allowed to speak or to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 17, it says it very clearly. They called them and they charged them not to speak anymore to anyone in the name of Jesus. Man, that's saying something. And they further threatened them in verse 21, stop talking in the name of Jesus. Just stop it. And the early church is exploding with conversions and powerful testimonies. Do you hear it from Rob and John? These last two weeks, the church was somewhere between 8,000 and 20,000 people. And all God's people said, that's 
That's some good preaching, but that's more than just good preaching. That is the Holy Spirit of God coming down on a population of people who are ready to hear about the risen Jesus. Because the power is not in the messenger. Can I get an amen? It's in the message. The power of the gospel is in the message itself. And there are eight to 20,000 people. This is a mega church in every sense of the word. And the lame man who was 40 plus years old, and we know that's really old, amen? 40 years old plus, right? This lame man was healed and things were happening. And now they're being threatened. And Peter and John have to back to their church, their little gathering, They've got some decisions to make because the heat is being turned up and they are being threatened for very lives. And like we're telling Keanu Reeves in the 1992 Speed movie, what are you going to do? Scott? What are you going to do? Right? There's a bomb on the bus. They got some decisions to make. What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? Because now time where you got to make a decision about your loyalties to Jesus Christ. And as said frequently over the years, the early church was discovering the truth that wherever there's a door, there's a demon. Is that true in your life? Wherever there's a door, there's a demon. And wherever there's an opportunity, there's opposition. So it is today. God is working some kind of revival in his church. It's happening. I don't know. It's small right now, but I, I think the Lord is doing great things. I just believe it. You can call me crazy. I saw Friday night at, at Nations Day, I saw it. Praise the Lord, right? With people from 16 plus different countries filling this auditorium right here, and you see four Muslims among us hearing about Jesus Christ, I can say that's a woo woo Jesus. Amen. That's a good thing. God is something. God is stirring. God is saving. God is redeeming. And he, Jesus is either going to come back in those clouds and all God's people say amen, right? Amen. I want that. But if he delays, I am revival in this country for it. Where are you going to go? I get emotional about this because this is so close to the heart of Jesus. Where are you going to go when people say, stop talking about Jesus? Stop talking about him. Church, we are to be on the offense, not on the defense. I want to just plead with you. Think offensively. Don't think defensively about your Christianity. Yes, we have to. Yes, we have to stand for orthodox doctrine, but my goodness, we need to get in trouble for sharing Jesus. Some of us need to wake up, share Jesus enough times that you get in trouble for it. Part of my exhortation in the sermon is not so much that we need to pray, pray that you would fall in love with prayer. I do pray that. But my deeper heart that we would get in trouble. We'd be so on the offense sharing Jesus Christ with the lost among us that we would get in trouble for sharing your name. I pray that I would live a life that gets threatened. That would be a good thing. 
I'm not living that life right now. I want to. I want you to. I want our church to. I want an explosion of gospel to explode here in South Des Moines. What are you going to do, right? Where are they going to go? They come back and they tell the story that, hey, we were told to be quiet. We were told to not share in the name of Jesus anymore. They reported to the people what the chief priests and elders said to them in verse 23. And when they heard it, verse 24, they lifted their voices together to God. The answer to the threats of mankind is to have a prayer meeting. Praise the Lord. And they get together and they start praying. A thriving church is a praying church. If we're going to thrive as a church, we got to be praying. And I don't even care what that looks like. I don't even care. You want to come to a Sunday morning prayer meeting? Awesome. You want to come to a Thursday morning prayer meeting? Awesome. You want to pray as a small group? Praise God. You want to pray in your car? Praise the Lord. I think we must pray. I think God's calling us to prayer. The early church thought that the answer was prayer. When the heat was coming in their life, the pressure, the threats, they prayed about it. May God wake up Christians. May we be persuaded this morning to pray to a sovereign God in the face of threats that tell us to stop sharing Jesus. Now, that's my big idea. Thriving churches are committed to the essentials of prayer. If we want to be a thriving church, we must be committed to the essentials of prayer. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean what the text says. As the, as the new believing church comes to God in prayer, they are committed to certain essentials. It's not just that they pray, it's how they pray. It's how they pray. They pray with such passion. They pray with such devotion. And they pray with theological accuracy. And that explodes the church to even more growth. If you're praying correctly and in the right way, you will pray as an essential of your life. But you will also pray in a certain way that God is glorified and the mission of the gospel goes out even farther. So I'm going to give you three essentials of how they prayed. Essential number one is they prayed with trust. They were praying with trust. When they got together, verse 20, heard it. When they heard the report of the apostles, they lifted their voice together to God. And they said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. This is the first essential of prayer. We must. Address God as the sovereign Lord of the universe. You want your prayer to with joy and confidence in the face of trials and tribulation. Acknowledge God as the sovereign Lord of the universe. Here's what it means. It literally means master or one who controls all things. Oh God, to you who control all things things we come. Good way to start your prayer, start with God's sovereignty. Amen? You want a good way to pray? Lead with confidence in the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. He is the one who created the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in 
And when we pray that way, joy comes into our hearts because God in the proper way. Now, why are they mentioning earth and sea? And why are they doing that? Because it reflects Genesis 1. And it reflects Exodus 20, verse 11, and Psalm 146, 6, and many other passages acknowledging God's sanctity is the best thing for your prayer life. The greatest starting point in prayer is verbally acknowledging God's sovereignty and saying, God, I trust you. How many of you need to insert that life this week? Trust you. I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. That song, right? It's back. God, I trust you with trust you with my story. I trust you with everything that is on my mind. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, high and exalted be your name. Psalm 9, verse 10 says, those who know your name, trust in you. Do you know the name of God? You'll trust him in prayer. And for some of you, I want to just encourage you, this is the opposite of your fleshly heart. Your fleshly heart will say, I'm sovereign, not God. I make choices. I do the things that are sovereign. I am the sovereign one. No, you're not. If you want to activate your prayer life, you will say, God, you're sovereign. You're the master. You're like little baby Simeon jumping to Danielle and I in the pool spring break. This was a really cute moment, right? Where she's just like, how does she jump? She just comes to the edge like this, and then she just goes, ah, <laughs> you know? Like, like zero worries whatsoever. Mommy, I trust you. Daddy, I trust you. That's the trust that the early church has. God is not surprised by your situation. He's not intimidated by the threats of your foes. God is the one who is sovereign and overall. He's in control. He's got this. And may that be essential number one of how we pray as a church. We trust you, God. Essential number two is praying into the opposition. We not only must pray with trust, but we must pray into the opposition. Through the mouth of our father David, verse 25, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? Why did the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. You see this quote from Psalm 2, verses 1 through 6, and the and the. The heart of this prayer is, why are the Gentiles raging? Why are they plotting in vain? Well, you have to pray into your opposition. The early church prayed into the opposition. We have opposition, we're going to pray into it. We're not going to run away from it. Christians, stop running away from people in your prayers. Pray into it. Pray into them. You got names of people that are opposing the gospel in your life, pray into them. Don't run away from them. Pray into it. Why are the nations raging? The Gentiles and the kings and the rulers. David, ancient King David in Psalm 2 was up against some And what were his enemies doing? They were raging and they were plotting. 
A lot of chaos going on, right? Against and against his anointed. And so it was happening in the life of the early church. So it happened to Jesus. Jesus was posed by the rage and the plots and the, and the, the reality of people that will be named in just the, the next verse or so. Here's the deal. The early church was experiencing it now as well. They were experiencing the rage and the plotting and the kings of the Gentiles. Everybody's coming to the church. And why? Because Satan doesn't love Jesus. Warfare is real, whether you believe it or not. And so today we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the prince of the air and spirits of forces of darkness in heavenly realms. So it is today. People are raging and fighting and rebelling against God. You can see it on your social media feeds. You can see it on videos that are every day, every moment of every day. People are raging. What are they raging against? God. They're raging against sin. They're rebelling against God. And, and in verse 27, they, they point it out in their prayer meeting. They get personal and specific. These individuals gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus. And they anointed Herod and Pontius Pilate and Gentiles and the people of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan predestined to take place. There's a lot of raging going on. And the prayer meeting acknowledges the people who are raging against the gospel. They name names in their prayer meeting. So in your prayer time, name names. It's a good thing. Name the names of the people. Herod, Pontius Pilate, Gentiles, the people of the Israel, raging against Jesus. These individuals are responsible for killing the Son of God. Who's responsible for killing Jesus? Herod? Yes. Pontius Pilate? Yes. The Gentiles? Yes. The people of Israel? Yes. And we must acknowledge the human side of that equation, that those individuals are named as responsible parties in raging against the Son of God. And yet, they were nothing but pawns in the hands of God. Verse 28, these individuals did whatever your hand and your plan predestined to take place. God's sovereignty reigns even over the evil actions of men. Is this mind-boggling? Yes. <laughs> Pray about it. Amen? Pray about it. Ask God to give you understanding to this, but this is the reality. We have to pray into our opposition. There will be people who oppose you if you love Jesus. Amen? It's going to happen. What do you do? Pray into your opposition and, and acknowledge God's sovereignty even in the opposition. And the victory of Christ is yours. That's essential, number two. Churches that are thriving are absolutely praying into the opposition. We are here to take ground. So that leads to the third and final essential before communion. Essential number three, praying for practical answers. This church was praying for practical answers. Verse 29 to 31. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hands to heal. Signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This church was practical. 
Your prayer life should be practical. This is practical prayer requests. One, God, look upon their threats. God, grant your servants continued boldness in speaking. God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. This looking, granting, stretching, this is the practical part of prayer. Where they're asking for very specific things. The people of God are getting down to business. Amen. God, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. We've acknowledged your sovereignty. We've prayed into the opposition. Now please do this thing. Look upon their threats as the idea of God. Please protect us from the raging enemies that we have. That's a good prayer to pray. Save me from my enemies. Protect me. Granting is the idea of keeping, keep giving us the words to say, God. Keep giving us the opportunity to open our mouth for Jesus and help us to say what we need to say. Stretching out carries the idea of God continuing his supernatural activity. God, keep doing the signs and the wonders. Do all those things. Prayer has to be practical, okay? Has to be practical. If your prayer exists in the heavens only and you don't get down to the practical needs that you have, you're not praying completely. You need to pray for the practical stuff. And when the church prayed specifically, God answered. The whole place shook. What a prayer meeting. Have you ever been a part of a prayer meeting like that? The whole place shook as if God was saying, yes, I'm here. I I acknowledge it. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, a great sign that God is answering prayers. And they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They kept going. They just kept exploding out into a pagan and very religious place. I close the message as we go to the communion table with this. I haven't preached since Easter, so I'm a little rusty. But just the other day, on Easter, we had the specific opportunity of seeing two individuals on on Easter morning come to Christ. Praise God. Now, here's the reality, right? These are specific answers to prayer. Specific. Like, we pray for names. And people come to Christ because that's who Jesus is. And and as a direct result of some of those conversations after the service that morning, it was awesome, it was powerful, it was good. God is working, God is transforming, God is building up the church, amen? And that's good. But I can tell you the reality, this is a direct result of answered prayer. We had a men's ministry that prayed for 24 straight hours leading up to our Easter services. What a coincidence, right? What a dink that two people would get saved after men of God give 24 straight hours to interceding on behalf of specific names of people that they would be saved. Obviously, that's no coincidence, church. Our God answers us when we are specifically praying to him. So I want us, oh, I pray, I pray that we would be a thriving church that would pray, love prayer, that we would give ourselves to it, to the essentials of it, praying with trust, trusting God and his sovereignty, 
praying into the opposition, not giving any ground in prayer, and then praying for practical answers. God is working, he is stirring, he is moving in this generation. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. So we're going to the communion table in church. This table is open for believers. If you're not a believer, it's not open for you. Stay in your seat, get saved, repent, believe. But this communion table is open for those who believe in Jesus. And we are so excited to do what during communion? Pray. Pray. Trust God. Look to Him. Pray into the opposition. Pray for practical answers. Evaluate your heart. Get yourself ready to remember all that Jesus has done and the victory that He has won through His death and resurrection. So we have this opportunity. May we thrive in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the grace that you give. Lord, we look forward to communion time. We look forward to this moment together as a church. Lord, this thriving church was a praying church. And oh God, may we be persuaded this morning that in the midst of the opposition and the threats and the heat that is coming our way, God, that we would pray, that we would get on our knees and pray to you. And that we would find victory in our prayer room, in our prayer closets, in our conversations with you. So God, I pray for every Christian, build them up. May they worship you as the sovereign God of the universe. The one who is over all things, even the evil ones that seek to do your name harm and damage. Father, you rule and reign. And Lord, we have specific needs. We really do. We ask that sinners would be saved. We ask that you would embolden our witness. We ask that you would make us have success in this Christian life that we live. The Lord, do a good work in us as we celebrate communion together. May this be a holy moment. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.